Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting, where being rude is never acceptable, but sarcasm is welcome and swearing isn't always a bad option. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Today I have the honor of speaking with Melanie Wheatley. Melanie, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. Thank you. So it's it's 12 o'clock. It's noon my time. Like I'm thinking about eating lunch when we done chat when we're done chatting. But it's 5 a.m. for you. Where are you? So I'm on the Gold Coast, Australia, and um, sitting here waiting for the sun to come up and not thinking about dinner, but thinking about the possibilities of breakfast and even maybe even a sneaky crawl back into bed after we finished. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for showing up at 5 a.m. This was this was great. It worked perfectly for me, but um, I just really appreciate you jumping in early in the morning. Zero dark 30. It's, um, it is all good. Well, I've got a full day today, so it actually works in really well that it's going to be timed out nicely. So you're from Australia. Tell me who you are and what you do. I have your website up. It's MelanieWheatley.com. And that will be in the show notes. Yes. Um, so tell me all about that. Okay. So that, as it is, is me being a coach. So I'm a business and lifestyle coach. And by lifestyle, it probably means that just the word life coach didn't sort of resonate as well with me. And what I do is really a combination of the business. But also, when I say lifestyle, it's about having the balance and having a life, so having a lifestyle and being able to combine those two together. So really working with women who are overwhelmed and stressed in their business and feel like all they need to do is work, 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 work. And it just, it doesn't make for a fun life. So I work with those women to kind of break down the overwhelm and simplify their systems and simplify their actions to create a little bit more ease and flow within their business and life. Do you feel like we make things more difficult than they need to be? Totally. Yeah. Unintentionally. I mean, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in every angle, not just in business, but also in our lives as well, where I think we're the masters of overthinking things sometimes and creating a problem that is isn't even a problem. You know, you can spend five minutes wondering why your husband is upset or what's wrong with him when he's just thinking he needs to go to the toilet or something. You know, it's this generally we're overthinking and layer everything so hard and it doesn't have to be that way. I agree. I think uh, just inadvertently we make things so much more difficult. So I have some fun facts about you from your website. So this is stuff that everybody can have that can find. But you are going to be a professional boxer and a pianist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I also wanted to be a singer and maybe a dancer as well. But as I was saying to my husband the other day, it's just a real shame that I'm actually not that good at singing or dancing. So that <laughs> that really blew out of the world doesn't it stink that that's the limitation that you actually have to be good at it to be successful <laughs> uh, well right I know and this all came crashing down to me actually in a piano lesson so in when you study piano you have to as part of your exams you need to sing and they play the note and you sing to the note and my piano teacher said to me you really can't sing in tune and I was like what what do you mean <laughs> There goes all of my dreams of being the next Kylie Minogue. Shattered. Exactly. Shattered. Exactly. So, so go back. Let's go back now. There's a lot of super fun facts on here. I mean, mm -hmm. I love pink also, but I think you have superseded most people's love of pink. <laughs> so that's a good example. <laughs> my, my superseded with my mission for the pink bark or the... Yeah, I mean, you had a pink scooter and everything. You went, yeah. I mean, go big or go home. And I even managed to match my uniform to the pink scooter. So it was one of those things. So it was a very tongue-in-cheek, what colour do you want? And I was like, I, I want pink. And at the time, I was, you know, a senior manager and surrounded by men. And I was like, 
I'll take the pink buck, of course, thinking that it actually wasn't going to happen until the scooters turned up on the island that we were on. And I was like, oh, damn, now I've got a pink scooter. (laughs) (laughs) Now I've really got to sell this pink scooter. So I got myself a pink polo shirt to wear on this particular island at the resort and so I could ride my pink scooter with my pink polo. Obviously, you can't do it any other way. Well, you couldn't wear lime green with pink, could you? Well, obviously not. No, no. There's fashion (laughs) choices that needed to be made. So now I want to go back. Okay, that is actually a little bit back. You grew up in Australia. You're on an island and you've lived through some pretty, what I would consider horrific because certainly I'm not surrounded by this at all. Yeah. So Tell me about growing up. Interestingly, I grew up in Sydney. So I grew up in a major capital city in Australia. I'd never been camping in my life. I was not someone who was particularly fond of uh, any wildlife, if you like. So I'd been known to jump out of moving cars because the spider was in the car. Um, And then I'd had a career. I was a PA, high-level PA for some entrepreneurs in Sydney And then I just had, I read a book about an island and I thought, you know, that's a fabulous idea. I think I should move to one as well. So I moved, I sold pretty much all of my belongings and decided I was going to move to this island and it was all going to be amazing. And the very first island I was on was a five-star island that is, you know, two or $3,000 a night to stay there. And I think in my head, I was going to be staying on the beachfront and I was going to have this amazing beachfront view. And it was a very, very different reality. And I stayed on that island for a short time, went back to Sydney and then was like, I'm not, like I don't fit in here either. So I went back. And then all the craziness started to happen and things started to happen. I I started to notice things had certainly desensitized. So whereas before I would run out of the way when I saw a snake, now I was like, oh yeah, it's a snake. Okay. If it's not near me, that's okay. And when you're on remote, so some of the things you were talking about, like in the short period of time that I was working. So when I came back, we had um, like a major flooding at one of the resorts I worked at, which had resulted in a complete evacuation. And you know, organizing all of these things. And you started to really, like it was stressful, you know, you were thriving on the stress. And then I'd go to a different island and then we had a plane crash. And then, you know, you're finding yourself coming from an operation where you're working in a city environment, in an office, where the most, you know, amazing thing that happens to your day is that you get on the train with no people on it to all of a sudden you're having to deal with a a plane crashing on your island with your guests on board to then, you know, that particular island finished off where we had the size, we had a cyclone come through and it pretty well decimated the island. Like there was not one building that was left undamaged and the general manager at the time had all of the staff still there. So we had 120 staff on the island And the cyclone itself was actually the size of America. So the particular core was that large. And it actually crossed directly over our head. So that was a, um, that was pretty stressful. That was a um, interesting time. So we did, I did that. Then through all of this, you know, you'd be dealing with like just day-to-day stuff that happens in resorts but it happens magnified when you're out to sea in the middle of the barrier reef, you know, people, injuries, staffing, all of these sort of things. And then I thought, I don't ever want to live. I don't want to live where there's a cyclone again. So then I, (laughs) then I decided to go to the outback and we worked in the outback. So when I say we, my husband and I, and we worked in this remote place where when we looked out of our kitchen window, there were like buffalo just right outside the window and when it flooded the crocodiles would like come closer to where the village was they would come in one day I went for a run and I jumped over a snake I looked at the end of the road there was a dingo 
And I was like, you know what, this, this place is like an anxiety attack waiting to happen. I can't deal with this. This just been too much, too much. So we ended up actually going back to another island because I hadn't clearly had enough. And this particular island we managed for a beer company and we had 24 random men come onto the island every week and hosted them and did um, this whole amazing, you know, complimentary hosting their uh, weekend. And then, um, then there was another cyclone there. So <laughs> you just, uh, are you starting to wonder if you're attracting it? Totally. Uh, so yeah. Even so to the point, so where I live now is so far out of what is the cyclone path that it's not even funny but this year there's like oh there's a cyclone coming down to cross over the gold coast and i'm like no seriously i thought i'd repaired all of this energy but clearly i'm still thinking about it enough that i'm bring i'm, I'm actually changing the weather <laughs> it's nice to know that you're that powerful right <laughs> you, you don't want to be and these are like mass floods and you were in a there was a huge fire two of the cyclones and the plane crash that was you were not on the plane you were mad yeah. all the people okay so i was dealing with all of the people and the airport so i was actually responsible for what was the airport there and so at the time when the actual crash happened there was actually another two full aircraft waiting to go um so there was a lot of people and a lot of a lot of situations there so yeah there's and I talk about it and I make it sound quite conversational each time you know when you talk about these things but it was you know the the cyclone itself that was primarily the event that triggered PTSD so it's there's significant really significant events to go through and yeah it, it definitely changes you and makes you who you are if you like yeah, because this is devastating. This is absolutely mm. devastating natural disasters that are happening totally. where you're at, that you're living through. And most of us, I mean, some of us have never lived through one, mm. but one, one would be a, a lot. And you've lived through like five or six. <laughs> yeah. Not that yeah. I can count. Tell so, me how you met your husband. So I met him on the second island I went to so we met on island um he worked in the maintenance department he was a little bit older than me we just met we started on I think we moved in together after two weeks things happen really fast on islands I think it was part property acquisition or something like that and then you know 10 years later he got around to actually um proposing which he you know he did he did that on another island we did a helicopter and he had it written in the sand and it was all very romantic and yeah so now we just we've and again like that's another funny situation there's not too many people who can live on a tiny little island in the ocean with their husband work with them have nobody else to talk to and still manage to come out the other end of that situation married because that can challenge you when you're that close to your husband all the time. How did you guys, what helped you get through it? <laughs> we had corners at the island some days. We would say, I'm going down to that corner and I actually don't want to see you until like, I just don't want to see you. So just don't come there. Like I will be down there. You be here. We will not cross paths today. So yeah, we really, um, we <laughs> To be, to be honest, I don't even actually know how we did survive it some days, but we did. And that's the main thing. So, yeah. And you said somewhere in there, I read that you have stepchildren. I do. How do they yeah. fit into this dynamic? Uh, it's an interesting dynamic because we weren't, because we've been always off island, on islands and things like that. And they've been um, with their mother down um further away from us we've been probably more lucky in the last few years to have them come visit more often but i you know i love because i'm i'm closer in age to them than i am to their father so it's a bit more like i'm the friend 
rather than the, you know, motherly influence, if you like. But I'm lucky to have a really great relationship with both of them. You know, the fact that I can use Facebook helps, helps my street cred. Absolutely. <laughs> so tell me what happened with your health and with you and with your career. I mean, were you, were you in a career that you loved? Because your career was high stress. So touch a little bit on that and then go into what, how your health was living through all of this. Yeah. So it started to, I guess it really started to max out, if you like. The last year that we were working on an island was the final year of this island. So it was a particular contract and we started the year with a cyclone. Then it went to a week after the cyclone, my husband in hospital getting his teeth pulled out and then another teeth operation, getting other stuff put in. Then he'd given up smoking and I don't know if you've ever been around anyone who's giving up smoking, but life isn't good when that happens. Um, we were also planning our wedding this year. We went to the doctors for something. Next minute, he's being told he needs to have an aortic valve replaced. In the meantime, you know, we had a range of guests who weren't particularly pleasant as well at one stage. And, like, I just... Things weren't coping. I wasn't actually... Like, I just, you know, I was flat. I was unmotivated to do anything. I was putting on weight fairly steadily and nothing seemed to be working no matter what I did. It just wasn't happening. And the thing, like, even at my own wedding, I think I was too damn stressed to even enjoy the bloody thing. Mm -hmm. So we got to, like, when we found out that he was having to have the heart operation, it was kind of that moment that it was like something has to change. Like we cannot keep doing this. We just can't. And I'd started looking into online businesses, working from home, having a little bit more flexible environment. And anyway, we decided to, after his heart operation to actually go over to Asia and we started, um, we basically stayed a month in each country we went to. So we went to Indonesia, we went to Bali, then we went to Singapore, we went to Koh Samui, we went to Penang uh, in Malaysia, then we went to Vietnam and then came back through Bali again. And that year was the time that I spent, I discovered um, the, the idea of coaching and I think like I kind of liked it because I'd spent enough time with shrinks over my years, but I liked the concept of coaching because it started to talk about not sitting in the dirt and not about your past and where you've been, but really taking motivated, positive action about moving forward in your life. And there was something about that that just really felt good and it felt like a nice fit to me. It felt like, you know, I've been known most of my life as being the person who solved problems. You know, I was the solutions-based person. And then the idea that I could do this in a way that was positive for people made sense to me. So I studied my coaching for that whole year. We did come back. We did um, a really short stint, another eight months on a um, five-star resort island and then, like, we just started realising we jumped from this beautiful life of living in Asia to them back doing exactly what we were doing. And it just was like, no, no, this is so far out of alignment now. It is just, it's not right. Like, we need to change. So we finally learnt the lesson and started living, I guess, living the life that we wanted to and the life that comes without, you know, working 60, 70 hours a week without stressing about whether someone's butter is right on their toast, without, you know, worrying about all of those sort of little things that become really petty in that lifestyle, but really working with what was actually in alignment and where our values actually lied. What was it like to go through the process to figure that out? Because you, you, learned about coaching and it resonated with you, but you must have been doing 
a ton of research to figure out who are you and what do you want to do and what does all this mean? Was he going through that same growth process? So, look, I'd like to say my husband was that deep, but let's say it's probably not the case. So he was essentially what he's been doing is going, just supporting and going with and doing what makes he's pretty simplified in that he's pretty happy wherever I am, wherever we are. And if I'm happy, he's happy. So in terms of my growth, I would say it was a washing machine of hilariousness. Like sometimes it was really, I've got this. I've totally got this to other times. Like I didn't got this. I'm so fun. Not I'm still messed up. This is not okay. And it's, you know, it's been in the last year being based on the mainland where I've got to explore other different healing modalities. So going to kinesiology, having, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had shamanic healing, which probably one of the most hilarious experiences of my life, but still there was something there that was really good. So I think it's only been probably in this last year where I've started to really be aware, I guess, of my energy, what I'm putting out and really maintaining and managing my own energy. And, you know, if you told me two or three years ago that I'd be sitting here having a conversation about energy and things like that, I would have laughed in your face because it just wouldn't have been something I was aware of. But so, yeah, it's been like a really intense learning curve about the, the practical side, but then also learning so much more about, you know, the law of attraction and our energy and what you know, what we're putting out there and creating that really good space for yourself. That's a lot of information. Why was the shaman so, why was that so funny? You're trying some um, non-allopathic, like therapy is more the Mm go-to for people. And it's worked for me, it's worked for lots of people, but I'm more of a like, well, let's try acupuncture. And I love that stuff more than the mainstream doctor. I like the the kind of holistic, what was, what was funny about your experiences or what do you, what was it uncomfortable for you? No. So it was really funny because it's different. So the reason I went and started exploring more of this is primarily because I, I feel like I've talked about my stuff so much. I'm done with talking about it. Right. I, you know, a doctor said to me, that long ago, I need to go, you need to start taking these tablets. I'm like, no, no, I need to actually, like, I'm like, I need, I don't need that. So we sort of, I just started exploring this. I found this girl who was this shaman who's been doing it for 20 years is amazing. And the whole thing was, I was sort of imagining it like, have you seen the, the proposal with um, and Betty White kind of running around with her the feathers in her head and she's dancing around the fire. So this is kind of what I was feeling was going to happen. And I guess we had a really long talk and then I laid down and and like I said to you, I'm coming from a background that is not really a crystal hugging tree hugging person. And next minute I'm lying on a bed with a crystal in each hand, a crystal between my feet covered in a little blankie with someone who's beating a drum so loudly up and down my body that I can feel it in every major organ that I have, the vibrations. And I'm sort of laying there thinking, well, I'll just go with this today. Like, let's just see what happens. And then she started screaming at something. And then there was like this, like it was the most dramatic thing I've actually been to, but um, really amazing, really amazing. It was quite funny. She'd gone from being like really bubbly, really happy, really, you know, upbeat. She does this session and it was like the poor girl had been through a washing machine. She's come out like, like, wow, you had some work to do on me. (laughs) (laughs) Do you say thank you or I'm sorry? I said I'm sorry. Like I feel partially responsible, I think, because I'm like, I'm feeling really I'm feeling really sad that you're actually seem to be not okay right now. <laughs> she yeah. needs a shaman now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was going to have to shaman herself. Exactly. <laughs> so you're going through all of your growing pains and you ended up getting certified. Did you, 
My, I always feel like you should have a coach even if you are a coach. So wh who mentored you? What, what were the tools that helped you the most to not be this stress addict anymore? Yeah, so it was, it was a combination, I think. So I'm quite a big, and I, I think it's fairly common for people who've spent a bit of time on the shrink, the shrink bench as well. You, you tend to think process move. So in part, I'm fairly reflective on my own behavior. Um, the second, I had a really great coach whose name was Naomi Arnold. Throughout the course of my time that I did the coaching certification and then afterwards as well. And now I'm working with another lady who's actually based in the States. Her name's Lena. And she is also so strong on the whole energy maintenance thing and the, the confidence. So one of the things that I've found, and I believe it's probably fairly true with a lot of women who are really stressed, your confidence is generally not that great. That's why you're so stressed. So really working on, again, another really out there thing, but working with the your chakra and the solar plexus chakra and really doing some healing around that has been like it's been life-changing to be honest it's changed everything that has happened and that I've learned in the last year has changed the way I see myself what I can give what I can put out to my clients just you know the strength that I have now from all of this learning and all of these amazing women that I've come across it's just you know you don't get there by yourself do you no, you don't. It's a journey and you need a lot. We all use different things as tools, but Ooh. we, you need them. And, Ooh. you know, in, in teaching, one of the quotes that I love as far as being a college professor is you only need to be one chapter ahead of the class. Exactly. And so when you realize that your set of skills means you're an expert in a certain way, and you can use that, it doesn't mean that you've arrived and you're perfect and it's all good or that things don't change in that industry. And, you know, you, st you have to make sure you're taking care of yourself enough to be at least a chapter ahead of everybody else. Mm -hmm. But by no means does anybody like have all their shit together and it's good. They're done. Totally. Um, yeah. So, and I love that. I love knowing that, you know, it's, we're, we have it's not an arrival it's a journey it's not a destination yeah yeah and I think most coaches will go through at some point the feeling that they don't have it all together so therefore that doesn't mean they're a great coach and the feeling that they need to be perfect yeah. before they can truly put themselves out there and it's just like it's just not true there's so much more you know and as I said to you the hardest thing like one of the things I was saying this a point where, you know, we, we read and we do all of this healing and we do all of this research and we do all of this development, but there's also a point where we've got to get to where we say, there's actually nothing wrong with me. I'm actually okay, just as I am. You know, I will continue to learn and develop, but there is nothing wrong with me that I need to fix. What I need to do is put myself out there and be the best bloody version of myself that I can be. Exactly. Now I cannot stand the word busy. I think, mm. it, I think the word busy, um, elicits stress. Like I'm just so busy. You have to go in a million different directions and it's just very scattered and chaotic to me. And that's one of the things on your website that you say when people feel like I'm just so busy and I think, yes, that's so stressful to be that way because mm. you're tired and stressed. And so tell me how you feel about that. And what are some of the biggest pain points in these women that you're working with their businesses or personally yeah so i think i agree with you as you can tell like the busyness is an issue i think people can often be so busy being busy but what are they actually producing in their business you know um they can be busy working till 11 o'clock at night but not actually responding to emails not getting things done because they don't have a plan they're just sitting there at their computer being busy you know so i think half of the time the issue with people when they're busy and they're busy being busy is one they haven't 
they don't have a plan for one. They think they need to do everything and they don't know how to actually delegate or outsource anything. And they're not, I guess, measuring, they're not making sure that their actions are actually for results. So a lot of the time you see people getting caught up on doing this little stuff that isn't where their brain should be spending the time. So, you know, if you're this master coach or you're this, you don't need to be spending the time doing the little stuff that can be outsourced. And sometimes you find people are so busy working in their business rather than actually on their business. And this is the whole, like, you know, you, you say you hate the word busy. Another word that I truly detest is hustle. Like I, I just, I don't get why people think they need to hustle, why they can't just actually, I don't know, make a list, write out what needs to be done and do it and not think that it was a hustle or that they had to like go and make stuff happen and push through and break those barriers. It just, every single part of that, the connotations, they sound hard and that's not how I want to be doing my business. They, they're hard and they're stressful. And I think you're kind of spinning your wheels and it's negative for the people you're sending a negative message to these people you're trying to get in. I feel like I totally. don't work with somebody that's hustling. I feel no. like they're going to, I'm going to get screwed over somehow. Or so you took all this that you lived through and how you did it and became the coach. And then I, I love you say, I'm your business bestie and loudest cheerleader. And, um, you use the freedom of action in your coaching. Tell me about that. So that, that is essentially what I was saying. You know, the freedom of action is doing, it's getting out there and doing things. So it's not sitting there and going like having these dreams of, Oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Well, I have this thing I say to some of my clients, you know, if this has been on your list, for seven months or more and you haven't done anything with it, maybe there's a reason. Like maybe we need to push it aside and start doing the stuff that gets you there. So it's a case of really getting to that big goal. What is it? Now what do we actually need to do to make it happen and breaking it down so it's chewable for my clients to actually see it's achievable. So most of the time, these big goals and this whole, like, I can't do it and I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I know I want to do this, but I don't know how to get there is because they're just focusing on that big thing at the end. You know, if you can see, like, I want a podcast. Okay, let's break it down to how you're actually going to get this podcast to happen. Don't just sit there and think it's magically going to turn up on iTunes because it's not. And it's not even that overwhelming to do it or difficult or, you know, with, with podcasting, I thought, okay, if all these people have figured it out, clearly I can figure it out. You know, it's right. not, it's not that difficult and you can outsource the stuff that is, or that you don't like if you really want to. I mean, there's all these possibilities, but you're right. You, you see the end result. That's why 85% of people who want to write a book have it. Exactly. Because Talking about it and thinking about it and wanting just the published book in your hand doesn't get you there. The small steps along the way do. Exactly. And they're huge. So, so and that's, that's, I guess, exactly what, you know, the freedom of action is to sit there and say, if that is to write a book, what do you need to do to get a book? How many chapters is this book going to be? How many words a day? So the freedom comes from when you actually start doing. Well, that's, that's enlightening, isn't it? I, I think so. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> and to do it without having, without feeling busy and like you have to hustle and without that massive amount of stress weighing you down. Yeah. It's just becomes a thing. Like it's just something you do in your day, you know? And that's what I was saying to you before. Like we can all sit there and think everything's so hard and I've got so much to do and blah, 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 blah. But what if it just wasn't like that and you just were really excited about, I know what I've got to do today. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to get to do it. And then I'm going to get to enjoy the end of my day without it being like, I think when you wake up and start thinking about all the hard things you've got to do in the day, there's no doubt, of course, they're going to be hard. But if you start changing the framing of how you think about the things you want to achieve, because like I would say to you, like if it feels hard and if it feels like it's a real struggle to get it done. 
you probably shouldn't be doing it. You know, you should probably put it aside until your head's in that space that you're actually ready and excited to be doing something because you can only think like what you create when you're struggling or pushing, it's not going to be what you want. That is true. And some things, I mean, what about just embracing the fact that sometimes it's not your favorite thing to do, but it gets you the result that you want. Totally. And I think that's where I say like you take the pressure off yourself. You see the bigger goal. Like you go, okay, so I know I've got to do this and it's probably going to take this time. And if it's something you absolutely detest and you can't stand it, then you ask the question, do I really need to be doing this or can I outsource this to somebody else? Like, is this something I need to do? If it's something I need to do and it takes me one step closer to that big dream, is it such a problem? Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just putting all this resistance around it just because I'm a woman and like to make things complicated for myself. Which is such a great point. I had a female editor and she's amazing. But when I was writing the book, she said, you need to do an outline like high school, like a one, an outline. And I was so pissed about it. There's no reason I was pissed about it. I just did not, I dug in so hard and did not want to do it. She's like, well, I mean, until that's done, I'm not working with you. So if you want to write the book, you kind of have to do it. And I thought, what is my problem? Like, seriously, (laughs) how is this that hard? And you know, you, you, and I ended up doing three because there were the, book was written in like three chunks. So there were three outlines and in my folder of stuff that I, I keep almost never uh, nothing in paper. I put everything digitally. The only thing that I kept were those outlines. They were my favorite part of the whole thing. (laughs) It doesn't. So I know a lot of it was just a shift in attitude. Yes, I needed to do it. No, I couldn't outsource it. Yes, I was making it way more difficult on myself than it needed to be. And it didn't need to be this big, dreaded, horrible thing. It wasn't. There was nothing. It was all making it that way. So it is important to see, well, is this you making it difficult? Or or can you outsource it? Because get rid of the crap you don't need to do. Exactly. That's part of de-stressing and... uh, you know, fine tuning what you love and doing what you love. It's getting rid of the stuff that you don't love. Exactly. And you know, the other thing I would say is there's those moments where, you know, you feel stressed, right. And you know that something's not right and you're stressing about these things and stuff. Sit down, write a list of all the things that are actually write down what is actually stressing you out. And, you know, I do this exercise that is, you know, here's the problem. Can I fix it? Yes or no. If no, move on. If yes, what is the solution to fix this stress so that I feel better now? And again, that comes back to that whole freedom of action. Like don't sit there in the land of stress and make it become your story. See the solution for the problem and do the action to get there and fix it. So you don't feel like that anymore because you know, that's pretty rewarding feeling. And things, a lot of things are kind of black and white, like that exercise. Just do the exercise. It's black and white. Totally. Sometimes we get a little too emotional about it. Do you also feel like women have a hard time when you're talking about the things that you don't like to do that you can outsource? Do you think some women get hung up on not being good enough or wanting to be able to be great at everything or do it all themselves and I don't need any help, that sort of attitude? Does that play into it? Sometimes I think some, some women can certainly have the super, the super woman complex or super mum complex, if you like. And they think that um, just because somebody else is doing it that way, that means they should be able to do it that way. And they feel bad asking for help because they don't have help. So why should they get help? And this this whole, again, like a really nutty conversation that goes on in the head and it all comes, you know, comparison to looking at what other people are doing rather than, what is going to make you feel better right now? You know, and there's like, there's so many things that we can put up as being barriers as to why we want to keep feeling like shit or if we want to actually, you know, not feel like shit. It's, you know, and it is, it is as simple as a black and white. Yeah. There might be some gray matter to get there, but it is simple. Do you want to fix what you are stressing about or do you want to keep stressing about it? It's a really simple question. 
tell me about how your health changed through this process. Cause I'm did, the year that you guys were gone and traveled, did you feel fantastic? And it was mostly wonderful. Yeah. Amazing. So my health is still, I guess it's still a work in progress if you like in that, um, you know, I've gone from the stress, the active and my body responding on 50 levels of adrenaline in 20 different ways in, you know, all throughout to now it's almost hitting the, hitting that line and adjusting to this is what is the norm now. Mm -hmm. And just really, you know, we've so much has changed within ours that we, you know, we didn't used to be able to cook all of our meals all the time. So we used to have to eat what was provided. Whereas now we basically eat as much whole food as we can. We've got, you know, a really different way of just trying not to eat too much sugar and things like that, that, you know, the sugar is a fairly well known that if you suffer anxiety or any level of depression, sugar doesn't help. So having that out of our diets has made a difference for me, but it is definitely, it's still, it's still a, um, it's still a project. It's always a project. I've eaten yeah. healthy <laughs> most of my life and it's never not a project because so many outside things change. I mean, even just moving to a new house or, yeah. you know, that things disrupt kind of the balance and, sometimes for the better too, you never know. But you, did you notice, I can imagine your body is used to so much stress. It was hard to cope with not having it there. Exactly. And so that's where I say it's been like an adjustment period where it's gone a little bit like this, where it feels like now it's getting to the point where it's like, okay, like you're safe. So half of this situation with the stress and things like that was around that whole safety. Whereas I'm totally okay where I am now. I live in a beautiful place. I live right on the beach. I'm so lucky to be where I am. And, you know, life is good. And it's that whole reminder that while, you know, the body isn't quite where it needs to be from a health perspective, it is still going there and it's still, it's still this journey. But it's also, like I said before, being a little bit kinder to yourself and saying, like, I'm okay. You know, this is still me. And right now, this last, you know, two or three years, my body has put this protective layer around me to try and help me and let me know that it's protecting me. And now it's starting to feel, okay, like everything is good. And now it's moving forward. I can see the sun rising in Australia behind you. I know, right? Yeah, you're, I'm, I'm wondering if you're going to see the, can you see the ocean from there? I'm not sure. Oh, yes, I can. Now yeah. that I know what I'm looking at, I can. Well, that's lovely. Yeah. yeah. So nothing, nothing like doing an interview watching the Australian sunrise. <laughs> you win. Cool. That's a side note, but you win that one. <laughs> it's, it's nice to experience both sides of the world. Yes. I, yeah. So your body's kind of fight or flight, and it's just yeah. going to take years to calm down and get used to that. Potentially. And, you know, the ideal world being a woman of action and who likes to get things happening, you know, I first thought, oh yeah, this is going to be fixed like that. And then it was just, nah, <laughs> this is just going to, and it's just going to take some time to heal and feel into it each time as well. But to just make sure, like I said, that I do the best for me so that I maintain my energy every day, that I move my body, that I, as much of whole foods into my body as what I can. You have a fantastic blog where you talk about a lot. I mean, I know coaching goes so far deeper, but you really talk about a lot um, on your blog. And I'm sure people really appreciate that. A lot about balance and becoming a new entrepreneur and being organized. Um, do, do people love that? Well, I, I mean, I hope so. I think, you know, my style and what I've, people have commented to me is that it's, that I'm fairly direct and straight and they see the sense of humor through and can hear my voice through my writing. And I've never really, I, and again, this is, you know, one of those first lessons I used to worry about punctuation and grammar and things like that. And then I finally just went, no, no, 
people like me because they hear the way I talk. I want them to hear that through my writing and I don't want to be so caught up on how things look and sound because it's not me. You know, I say the things that I'm probably not supposed to say. I come out with, you know, I'm not a tree hugging flower crown wearing coach and aren't I out of the, you know, I, I don't fit into the norm. I don't fit into the norm of who I studied with. I don't fit into what is that right thing. I'm unique and I'm kind of owning that, I guess. And that's why I love talking about stuff like that because when I was starting, I didn't find any of those articles that kind of made it feel real and made it feel, you know, everything was really shiny and really kind of, um, this is all going to be amazing. So it's nice to kind of have those conversations. And what I'd like to think, particularly the ones about coaching is because like I was, I know so many strong women who don't have coaches, who need coaches, but don't go for the coach because they think the coach is a tree hugging flower crown wearer and that's not what they're attracted to, you know? So it's kind of about demystifying this whole concept of what is a life coach and is it like, am I going to sit on the couch with Dr. Phil and Oprah and talk about my feelings? Well, it can be if that's your thing, but right. you should, right, you should be raw and genuine. I mean, you had the shaman, so <laughs> it, <I'm not> <laughs> it, it can be a lot of different things. It has to speak to the person who's looking to get coached. So yeah, it should be genuine. It's, and I think there is a line in my copy that it is about, you know, there is about this action and it's not that I am this person who's going to sit there and talk about your feelings all the time, but there will be a component where that comes up because it is important. You know, it's just not, that's not my whole focus, but it is still important. The fluffy stuff and the slightly hippie, you know, me saying, go and see a kinesiologist because you need to have your energy healing. That could happen. And it could sound completely, you know, crazy coming out of my mouth, but it could happen. I mean, I think if you're the one that said it, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> when, when Melanie tells you you need to go do kinesiology or see a shaman, you're like, oh, shit just got real. <laughs> and, and funnily enough, that has happened with a couple of clients and even my sister, who's funnily enough, very similar to myself. She was actually on the island at the same time when this cyclone went through. And I was like, no, you, you need to go see a kinesiologist. And she's like, but no. And I was like, no, no, you do. And then they sent her a form and she's like, I, I don't need to send this out. A little bit like what you were saying with the outline of the book. She's like, no, why do I need to fill this out? And then she, she goes to have the kinesiology and she's like, wow, I don't get it. That shit is good. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't have to get everything. It's totally That's fine. Right. That's exactly it. You just need to go with it. And I'm like, I have absolutely no idea how doing this a few times and doing this changes everything, but it does. And you know, that, I mean, really, we don't have to get it. If, and that's why when I think when people are like, oh, you should try this. And instantly I'm like, what? That means yeah. <laughs> I probably stop and try that. Right. Because when we feel that resistance, it's, it's the, it's in our cell. We need to make that shift a little bit. So that's very funny. Yeah. And I would go to see a kinesiologist if you told me to. <laughs> it doesn't look like you need it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think so, but you never know. I don't know. I had acupuncture recently, so I think I'm good. Yeah, good. Tell me what advice would you give to these women that are super busy and super stressed and on the fence? Because quitting and starting your own business is scary as hell. Yeah. And the thing that I think that comes up a lot as the barrier and why people don't do it, they look at it as an expense and that it's too expensive or they can't afford to do it. But man, it's the most frustrating thing because you're like, do you know how much your whole life is going to change if you actually decide to actually go in with a coach, you know, finding a coach that resonates to help you move forward. It's like, what do they say? The definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's the whole fact you have to try and you have to get support. The constant need 
to do things by yourself and think that you'll fix it out just with Dr. Google. Like you can totally do that, right? You can totally just Google the answers. You can set up a website. You can do all of this stuff using Google. You can create a podcast. You can, you know, do graphics, everything you can learn through Google, but you can waste your time sitting on Google or you go find and you get the support from someone who's spent all the time doing it and you save so much time and so much energy and money to actually push you forward to where you need to be quicker. And this is like, it's just, it really is frustrating when you see these people going, oh no. And it's because their whole mindset around money, they're thinking more of, you know, time for money rather than money value and what value they're getting from something. You know, it's not like about, oh, I'm going to pay this much money for these amount of hours. That's crap. And it's not how any of us should be thinking about ourselves. We should be thinking about what value we give and what value we create. You know, we totally deserve to be receiving the value as well as giving the value. I agree. I have a friend who put her coaching on a credit card and like hope on a wish and a prayer. And mm. it was the best thing she ever did because mm. spending that money at that time in her life. I mean, for a lot of us, that's scary. Plus we're not, if we, we quit our jobs, we're not bringing income in. So mm -hmm. you've lost your income and now you need to put money out. But you know, I mean, she uses that example all the time about how much it saved her just being able to even do it at all because we get paralyzed with what we don't know and the starting and having somebody hold your hand being like, we got this. It's okay. It's invaluable. Totally. And it's that commitment to yourself. Yeah. You know, you, you so often put yourself as the last person on the feeding tray and it's that commitment to up leveling. And it's also that person who's holding that energy space for you. This is a person who's not doubting, not questioning, not doing anything. They're helping you have that higher energy and belief in yourself to go and get things happening. And like, it's the greatest feeling in the world when you have someone standing there with you rather than working. Like when you work by yourself, it can be a really, really lonely and yeah. you can battle all the conversation in your head. Absolutely. Well, that is where we're going to end. You need to find the right coach. Melanie Wheatley, you could just, do you work with people in the U.S. a lot? I, I don't have a client in the U.S. at the oh. moment. Well, Yay! Come on! <laughs> Come on board for the non, just saying it how it is. And everyone loves an Aussie accent, right? Oh, yeah. It's very sexy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, which always makes me think, if I think your Australian is very, accent is very sexy, you've got to think my U.S. accent is sexy. But it doesn't work that way. Well, I think, always. I don't know. I think okay. it kind of does. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think we just like the differences. So you'd get a coach with an Aussie accent. Yeah. <laughs> thank exactly. you so much for sharing your journey. I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you for having and me. how you got here. I, I love it. I love that you have been in the trenches. You totally get these women that you're working with. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening in to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Like, share, and of course, comment. I welcome input with attitude. Get a copy of my book on Amazon, Hello, My Name is Warrior Princess, or check out my website, jentaylor.net. And if you still want more, sign up for one of my coaching packages.